This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We're back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. And welcome back to the show. Appreciate you checking us out wherever you are here on the BetQL Network with Jake Nelliger and Brendan Tobin on the Sports Machine, Sean Levine. And let's welcome on, I think we do consider him at this point, the best friend of the show. He is Manpreet Joss from MMA Lock of the Night. And we are now a week removed from the most oh crap moment that I can remember in a long, long time. Maybe since, I don't know, maybe since Ronda got kicked in the head by Holly Holm. If, if and when we do see a rematch, and Manpreet, I assume that we're going to, would you ever consider putting money on Leon Edwards based on what you saw last Saturday night? First round, shout out to him for winning that first round and getting Kamaru Usman down for the first time ever in his UFC career. But let's be honest, he was losing that fight. KO came out of nowhere. That's his only chance of winning. That's the only way I would play it. Kamaru should still go out there and do what he does or what he was supposed to do this past weekend. Was there, I, I was I was bringing this up last segment, man. Pre, like, is there any part of you? The reason I differentiate this from a, like a typical upset, like what Juliana did to Amanda, right? Is while Kamara was doing everything right, this was not a bad day in the cage for Kamara Usman. He did everything perfectly up until the last minute of a fight. If you're Leon Edwards, how do you not have your confidence sky high knowing that everybody here thought you were broken against what is maybe the best fighter on the planet and you still pulled it out? Like, I got a feeling like there's just a piece of me that would put a lot of value in Leon being the underdog because he now knows the path to victory or the ways to go get it. And he wasn't, he wasn't very particularly good uh, in this last time around. Is there, is there any, do you buy into that argument at all? Or are you more on the side of this is just a bad moment for tomorrow. He's going to smoke him the next time. I think there is some merit to Leon actually having legit confidence now seeing the man go down like that obviously brings you a lot of uh, confidence to see that this guy can actually be finished because nobody had ever done that to Kamar Usman up until that point. I believe the only other loss on Kamaru's record was like his first or second fight where he got choked out. So he's never actually been clean knocked out and this was the first guy to ever do it. So yes, I'll give you some confidence, but like I think we know Kamar Usman, his coaches, his training partners will have him more than ready for something like that once again. I really thought that he thinks that uh, Leon Edwards is broken at that time and that he could just cruise for the rest of that minute left in that round and he'd be fine. And, you know, shout out to, to Leon. He was setting it up with some leg kicks and some body kicks and then he eventually went high. But, like, I don't think that lands, you know, as many times as people expect it to because of the fact that it landed in the first fight. So, um, 
uh, if anything, we may maybe see a little bit more about grappling. Have you approached from Kamaru so that he doesn't have to eat those kicks or anything like that? Uh, I know he tried that this time around. It didn't really work out to the best, but I'm expecting a, a little bit of a change from him. We all know Trevor Whitman is a wizard when it comes to MMA game planning. So, uh, yeah, uh, yes, Leon has confidence, but I think Kamaru can still go out there and uh, make sure that doesn't happen again. Talk a little fighting here with Manfred Joss from MMA Lock of the Night. On tapped out, you're locked into the BetQL network. Just for the sake of sports talk radio conversation, let's say that Usman isn't next. Let's say he takes a minute off. Who do you think would make the most sense from a USC perspective for Leon to step in there with next? Colby, Hamzad, Nate? This is what I was thinking. So from what I heard, I think Leon wants to stay out to at least March or February or even April or something like that. That might be enough time for Usman to sit out and come back. But if we do need an alternative, you know, I really I really think Colby Compton is the second best welterweight in the world right now. Like, I think him and Kwar Usman are pretty much carbon copies of each other, with Usman being a little bit better of a power puncher. But I think that Colby's pace, wrestling, cardio, all of that matches up with what Kamar, what made Kamar Usman so successful. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing that matchup, but like the storyline behind Jorge Masvidal, three-piece in a soda, and, uh, and, and Leon Edwards, that would be amazing, especially if they're able to do it in England, right? They're talking about doing Wembley Stadium, possibly. Like, that would be massive, but... I'm not I'm not a Jorge Masvidal hater whatsoever, but it's hard to, you know, really give him another title shot off of a win that he got in J July of 2019, right? Like, it's been so long since he's gotten a win, uh, a legitimate win. So, um, if they were going to do it, I would probably see Colby Covington. Um, Hamza starts to go fight Nate Diaz in the next two weeks or so. But, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go uh, Colby Covington. If, they're, if we're talking about right now, give me Colby Covington versus Leon Edwards. No, I'm with you there, and I think that that'd be a hell of a fight. I mean, it might even be a pick'em type fight. I don't know who's favored in that one. We're talking with Manfred Johnson. Give me pick'em on the bet. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that's a tough one here. Uh, just because you mentioned Mazadal's last big win when he—I guess it wasn't his last one, but the one that really put him on the map when it need Ben Askren in the face. Obviously, Demetrius Johnson just got done kneeing his own guy in the face. Uh, who do you think ultimately won that trade? Like, do you think because Askren and the way that it ended up playing out, Demetrius Johnson now holds the belt over there? Like, who do you think that worked out better for? I, I think it worked out great for the UFC, but I also think it worked out great for DJ specifically. Not one, but DJ specifically. Because, like, now he can spread his wings and do what he does. And, you know, he had that one step up against Mariah. She made up for it last night, obviously. But the UFC won it because it gave us that Jorge Masvidal moment, right? It, that's what it gave us, and then it gave us the BMF title, and it gave us the Kamar Usman and, and Jorge Masvidal rivalry. So uh, from that perspective, I really think the UFC won because it seemed like DJ, they tried pushing him as much as possible, and he just really wasn't catching on with the North American scene. And it's funny that once he leaves, the flyweight division starts popping off. And I think that's because of, you know, once the king leaves, everybody else is kind of similar skill set, and they're able to kind of just have more competitive matchups, have more fun matchups. Um, you know, it, it kind of crappy that Henry Cejudo decided to hang it up when he did as well. But still, flyweight division is popping right now, right? It, there's a lot of fun fighters there. Brandon Moreno is doing a great thing down there. Davison Figueiredo, uh, Brandon Roy Val, Askar Askarov, Kaikar France. Like the names keep coming because these guys are able to go out there and have competitive matchups against each other. Whereas DJ was just squashing these guys. So there was no real chance for him to go out there and become a star in the North American market. I think the UFC won. It gave us Jorge Masvidal, and I think that's uh, that's the best part of it. 
Manfred, how much would you be into the idea, though, of kind of like a one last dance thing for DJ? Like, he just turned 36. It's not like that's not over the hill. Like, he still certainly has his, his what's about this guy basically left still in his prime. Um, and you, like you said, this division with him gone now being more, you know, just be more exciting, be more buzzing. Like, wouldn't, wouldn't you be into the idea of DJ, of DJ having like one last UFC run, a few more fights and seeing if he could get back to that title? Uh, for sure. You know, as, as a diehard MMA fan, we always want to see the best go against the best. And, you know, we can't say that DJ isn't the best. He's definitely up there. He's top five flyweights of all time. Got to be top three even. Right. So to have him come back in the UFC and fight this crop of flyweights, like the guys that he was fighting back in the day, they're no longer at the top. Now he has to face the Davidson Figueredo's, the, the Brandon Moreno's, all the guys that I just listed for you. Um, so I would love to see it. If they can somehow make that happen, I'm in. And I don't think any diehard MMA fan in my position would disagree either. If you don't have him at one, who's one? Ooh, you know, Henry Cejudo did beat him last. <laughs> like that he technically yeah, still has the leg up on him. He did beat him. It's one, one technically, but he has the last lap to this point. So, you know, if, uh, if they run that back then I think that would be number one, uh, but they got to be one and two. The, uh, the, the, the co-main event Rockhold and Paolo Costa, we've been arguing back and forth because BT over there, he's, he's got a weak stomach. I feel like once people become dads, like, and they have kids all of a sudden they're like, ah, you gotta be careful and blood's gross. Like, What's the matter with you, bro? That was that was awesome, right, Manfred? Like, rubbing the blood all over the guy's face, that was great. Honestly, like, midway through the first round, I knew that Luke Rockhold was like, man, why am I in here? Like, I shouldn't be doing this. And for him to have that as, like, his last moment inside the cage, rubbing his blood all great. over Luke Paulo uh, Costa's face, it was great. I was I was cheering him on, you know I mean? When he was, like, yelling expletives at him as well and throwing big overhand rights, I'm like, you do you, Luke, man. Like your your body, your health didn't really allow you to achieve that high, high, you know, greatest fighter of all time potential that you're hoping for. But just just have your fun, man. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I'm sorry, BT. <laughs> Look, dude. First of all, my favorite fight of all time is Lawler versus Roy McDonald. Uh, so okay. I'm not against blood. He probably it's just a back horrible. to it, huh? He probably just listened it's to it. Just a it. It's no, no, tough. dude. First of all, it's a horrible way to behave as an individual where you're smearing <laughs> your nose on somebody, especially after you just got it's your butt fight. kicked for three rounds. It's right, it wasn't a He's giving him nose rubbies with his with his nose. I'm sorry. How can you finish a fight doing? <laughs> he motorboated in the blood. I would like to know. Please tell me. Tell me how you can win the fight, boys. I just want to know. Let me know. Yo, he he didn't have any energy to posture up and throw punches. Paul Cos is holding him close to him. This is the only thing he can do. Let the man do it. It's all good. He's trying to tap out via booger. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get in his also, eye. Give Luke a little bit of credit, gross or otherwise. The, the Utah altitude certainly had something to do with it. And yeah. I'm with you guys. He was cooked. To be fair, Costa said that he was cooked, too, at the end of one round. The fact that that thing ended up going three. I was holding on to a Costa by knockout in the third round. Dude, am I missing something? Did he have, like, a million chances to knock out Luke? Was he just being nice or something? Or am I just a little bit angry because I didn't get paid? <laughs> uh, trust me, I was holding a Paul Acosta KO ticket as well, and I was surprised that he didn't okay. go up there and get that. But um, I don't know. I, I think the, the elevation probably got to him as well, man. Like, it, it's very tough to fight out there in Salt Lake City. I think the UFC's only ever been there twice. Um, and we had some, you know, sloppy fights on the, on the first card, which was headlined by Alex Caceres versus Yair Rodriguez back in 2015, if I remember correctly. But, uh, yeah, no, I really think it was elevation that got to Paulo Costa there. Let's not just say that it was Luke. It, it definitely affected.
Jack and Paulo, but he was able to get, uh, go up there and still get that win. I just wish it was by KO as well. Uh, Manfred, speaking of knockouts, uh, looking ahead to next week in, in Paris, uh, Cyril Gon versus Ty Tuivas. We talked about this a little bit before the show. I didn't like this fight when it was first announced. Like, I wanted Ty to get kind of a more exciting matchup. I get why uh, Cyril Gon is, is, is a favorite, but I feel like at plus 400, Ty Tuivasa, like, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like he could still over five rounds pull something out here against Gon. You know, who kind of got exposed in the championship a little bit by Francis. I, I don't know, man. I think that if I were to put the Hail Mary on the Shoey man, I think I'm feeling okay about myself. What about you? This uh, next week with uh, Gon right now is what, minus 620 going into to, to this fight. Where do you see uh, the, this main event, UFC Paris, next week? Brendan, uh, I would say just turn your attention to the, the private chat that we're going on, and I'm going to put in my PayPal account, and you can just send whatever you're going to put on Tide to Ivasa <laughs> to me, because that's better than rather than just giving it to the bookies. Let's be honest. Yeah? I mean, Gon is the best, maybe the second best heavyweight out there right now. Obviously, he had his ground game exposed by Francis Ngannou last time around, but I think we're going to see a much sharper version of the, him this time. This guy... You know, moves like a welterweight, middleweight. We've never seen anything like this in the in the heavyweight division. And you know, if we were going to see any type of slip up in terms of him getting caught by a knockout puncher, I think we would have seen that in the Jerzyna Rosa strike fight, where he danced circles around him for 25 minutes. Tied to Ivasa, yes, he has big power in his hands. Yes, he has good leg kicks, but I think he's going to be you know struggling to find Sergon in this big cage that they're going to be fighting in uh, over there in Paris. Uh, I wouldn't even be surprised to see Gon try to take this fight to the ground. I mean, the last time we've seen Tai Tuivasa take him to the ground, he got submitted by Sergei Spivak. And even though everybody's crapping on uh, Sergon's uh, grappling, you know, he's not that bad from on top. Like, he can go for submissions, he can go for arm triangle chokes, heel hooks even. You know, I think that's something that I could potentially catch him with. But, uh, yeah, I think Gon absolutely cruises here. Yeah, look, I, I believe it is, is grappling. I think that's why we all thought, like, this is a tough match for Francis. We've seen him, you know, with a, a more well-rounded guy. That's why I was so stunned to see what I saw. Like, Francis be that much of basically a guy on broken knees, physical freak, basically just manhandle him to go, you know, keep his championship. So I just wonder that, like, with with an idea of a Gon who doesn't maybe feel as invincible anymore. But I do understand. Like, look, I don't like this matchup for Ty. But still, knowing how explosive he is over a fight, I, I just think that you never know. He, he also is really great with those elbows and the clinch and things like that. Like, I, he, he seems like a guy who could just pull out a Hail Mary to me uh, when you kind of count him out. Tuivasa KO is plus 550 right now, right? I think that's probably where you would be putting your money rather than taking that money line, similar to the whole Leon Edwards discussion that we had at the top of the segment. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd, be, I'd be stunned. I would be even more stunned if, uh, if Tai Tuivasa pulls off a knockout than what, what I was this past weekend with Usman. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, I'm with you there. I mean, the value of Taito Ivasa, who's been on a winning streak of his own, it's like, what else does this guy need to really prove at plus 400? Obviously, the heavyweights, it just takes one. So I'm split between both you guys. Ultimately, I do think it's a terrible matchup for Ty, but also, if you're going to give me four to one on a, basically any heavyweight, I'm willing to play it. Uh, we're talking with Manfred Joss here 
on the BetQL network. All right, before you get out of here, we've got like a minute and change left. Take yourself back in the hot tub time machine to last Saturday night. You've been a guy that's been watching MMA for a really long time. On your meter of, I can't believe that just happened, where does that rank when Leon Edwards kicked Kamaru Usman in the head? Gotta be top three moments. Like the number one for me is probably always going to be Connor knocking out Aldo in 13 seconds. Like I was there live for that. So even to experience that crowd and that atmosphere and everything and holding a Jose Aldo ticket the way that I was at plus money, uh, I did not expect that to finish 13 seconds the way that it did. You know, I want to see that play out a little bit more. So, you know, just have it like the night was crazy, right? The Coleman event was Wolf Rockhold versus Chris Weidman. Rockhold takes the title from him. And then we go into that. We even had you all Romero fighting on the card uh, earlier in the night. Uh, I can't, I believe against Jacare Souza. So huge, big night. And then it just culminates with 13 seconds. So uh, yeah, that uh, Kamaru will probably be number two or number three. I'd say Connor Aldo is number one for me. Manfred Joss from MMA Lock of the Night here on the BetQL Network. Great stuff. Crazy you were in the house for that fight. I heard BT was there actually when uh, Masvidal got knocked out by Usman. Is that true? You're locked in <laughs> to the true. BetQL Network.